0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Welcome to Thanksgiving week, blah, 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 all pleasantries, blah, blah, blah. Hope everybody enjoys their travel, blah, blah, blah. Um, we've got, uh, this week we've got uh, in Texas just completing the old Texas Triangle, which I thought never happened anymore, but then again, the Warriors just went and did the Texas Triangle, and they, in good old-fashioned form, got beaten all three stops in uh, Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. And joining us from San Antonio is our Warriors beat writer, Nick Friedel. Hello, Nick. How are you?
1: Hello, guys. The Warriors week from hell is officially over, and I think everybody <laughs> is, um, is better for that.
0: You're like the angel of death. Every team you cover stinks.
1: <laughs> it all feels very familiar <laughs> when things start to go bad.
0: That's right. Um, that other laugh is from Tim Bontemps, who is in Philadelphia. I have no idea who the Sixers playing today.
2: They're playing the Phoenix Suns as uh Joel Embiid gets his first shot at uh, obliterating Deandre Ayton tonight.
0: Oh. And that was and that you traveled down to Philly to see that.
2: I did. Traveled down from uh from Boston yesterday.
0: Um, uh, where the Celtics are having some issues and we will discuss that in a minute. Uh, also joining us Just a few. In, joining us in Los Angeles and running the show is Andrew Hahn, and we've got Kyrie in Bristol, uh, flipping the switches. Um, so, Nick has a flight back home. I'm sure you're looking forward to get back to the West Coast, but, so before we lose him, uh, I just wanted to talk about the Warriors. Um, I thought it was interesting last night that they were talking about, um, not having their joy. Because I felt like, I feel like when they play with joy, it's one of their great weapons. And, you know, they're also missing two All-Stars right now. Uh, And I'm really kind of worried about Draymond's toe injury because when I hear toe injury, it's kind of like hearing hamstring injury. Toe injuries don't go away very fast. And I don't think they've said a whole lot about it, so maybe you can shed some light on that, Nick. Although having said that, they still have two All-Stars left. In fact, two Hall of Famers, uh, in my mind, two Hall of Famers in their prime in Clay and Durant. They just happened to shoot the ball terribly last night um i think they were like under 40 percent as a group and they were some awful like four of 20 from three-point range um but they've lost their joy um is what they say so nick give us your assessment i mean we've talked about draymond and durant ad nauseum we get that we know it um but what's going on actually in the rectangle of the court right now with these guys
1: well they're not getting enough space to make shots and when they do get open looks b uh, they're they're missing I think in the last three games in this Texas Triangle, they were 18 for 77 from beyond the arc. Uh, And we're so used to seeing the Warriors bounce the ball all over the place and and get open looks, and it's just not the case. Durant made the point that they're still trying to work newer players uh, like uh, Jonas Sherebko and younger players uh, like Looney like Repco is playing
0: a lot bigger role than they ever envisioned. I absolutely. know it's because of injuries, but man,
1: absolutely. But you know, uh, Damian Lee, a two-way guy, was up uh, over the weekend here. I mean, they're they're trying to get these newer guys into spots that they're not comfortable with, and and frankly, they really shouldn't be in because if you have Steph and you have Draymond, uh, you, you don't have these guys playing bigger minutes. So. On top of the emotional issues of the week, and I, uh, I, I can't stress enough how much the, the whole KD Draymond incident seemed to rock the core of this group. On top of that, they're just not playing very well right now. So they're hopeful that they get Draymond back uh, from this toe injury on Wednesday against Oklahoma City. But to your point, B, it's a it's something that's going to linger uh, all year. I mean, that's what happens, and this was Kerr's whole point. We have to sit him out until he can shake it fully, but they're not sure he's going to be able sh- to shake it fully because with toe injuries like hamstring injuries, they just kind of hang on uh, for a while. As for Steph, uh, he seems to be getting better and better. He's doing more individual work on the floor, uh, but he's still at least another week away. And Kerr's whole point has been that he's trying to, I think he's trying to remind the media, and he's also trying to mind his team. We're in November. (laughs) I mean, Kerr has always said we're playing the long game here. We know we're going to be playing deep into the playoffs. We know that this team uh, has a chance to do something incredibly special in trying to win back-to-back-to-back titles. So we're not going to rush anybody back. And uh, to the point about Joy, Kerr in the last week at every turn has tried to pump the positivity. He knows what he's trying to do publicly because – as the the rest of the basketball world wonders, all right, is the sky falling there? Here's Kirsten. I like the way uh, our effort has been after that Houston game, which is miserable. Uh, I like the way the guys are trying to work and, and find themselves, and we're going to get out of this. Uh, and I, I believe from a basketball perspective uh, that's going to happen. I mean, KD and Draymond, before last night's game in San Antonio, they're sitting there talking about Alex Smith's injury. <laughs> Like, it was just a, a totally regular conversation. was really conversation. bad. It did was, you allow yourself awful.
0: to watch the video?
1: No. Hell no. Come on now. Fond temps? did you, you watch the
0: video?
2: I stay away from all of those videos. The only okay. thing I've ever seen of them was the Gordon Hayward injury last year, which literally happened oh. right in front of me. Right. Uh, otherwise, right. i Not stay good. away from them on purpose.
1: Not Come good. on, B, you're talking to a guy who had a tib fib injury himself playing football. You did. I forgot I didn't
0: about know that. that. Oh, yeah. I know snapped the snapped it. Oh, my,
1: God. My two, my two buddies on senior night, they missed their, they missed their blocks and our running back, Pooh Bear, he fell into my leg and mm. instantly. It's just, it's gone. So I want no part of watching that stuff, but you know. So I, Nick, I,
0: how long, um, how bad was that recovery? S- was that was well, your they, senior year? So you were like in a cast your whole senior year?
1: No, they put a, they put a rod in. They put a rod in and, and that was that. I mean, I was able to walk like a few weeks later. Wow. Uh, I never did the cast, but then I got to Syracuse <laughs> and I would wake up at 8 a.m. for my, for my class freshman year and i felt like there was an echo in my leg because it was so cold and and the rod wasn't feeling great so a couple of years later they had to they had to take the rod out but uh it was not the recovery that it might have been for joe thyson 30 plus oh, years man. ago but anyway yeah uh, on a on a broader note
0: i did not know that i'm so sorry there, to hear that <laughs>
1: there there is some normalcy as much as there could be a week later within I think everybody is still trying to to help these guys kind of come together more from a basketball perspective. And whether or not uh, KD stays or goes, I mean, that, that conversation wasn't really going to go anywhere. It's just heightened now because of what happened in Los Angeles. But in the short term, I feel like you get Draymond back, you get Steph back here in the near future, and everything will be okay. If it's not at that point, then guys, well, then... The Warriors have much deeper issues. But Kerr, for his part, is holding to, you get these guys back, everything will be fine.
0: Tim, you know the Warriors really well. Um, I would say that watching them play, I, just like in the game in Dallas the other night, I mean, Durant had an, uh, a 12-footer from you know the lane. Where he was squared and he just was short. And then Clay had what, Nick? Maybe like 15 footer from the baseline. Again, perfectly yeah. squared. And either of those yeah. shots go in, they may, you know, force overtime and or win that game. Like, I'm, I'm in agreement here. I mean, I think they've got long term issues with whether Durant wants to stay. But in terms of like getting out of this funk, I don't, I don't know. You guys tell me. I, I don't think them losing this three games is a direct relation, direct line because of Durant, Draymond's issues. No. I just think they're in a slump right now. But what do you, Tim? What do you think?
2: The Warriors in Steve Carrera are two hundred and fifty four and forty seven when Steph Curry plays. I believe they are now twenty two and twenty two when he doesn't. That is There's a stat problem. That is the problem with the Warriors. Steph Curry is not healthy. I, I, you, you mentioned it before I took this job. I was out in the bay uh, the last two years. I watched this team a lot. When Seth Curry plays, they are the greatest team I've ever seen. When he doesn't play, they are a pretty boring team that has very you know is very uneven particularly on offense and is prone to funks like this. And this, this is what they are. Um, Curry is the thing that makes that team go. and it, this also goes back to something I've said since the summer which is that I I believe the DeMarcus Cousins signing was a mistake. I thought it that was the case this summer. I think it's the case now. The reason why is something you said when you were talking to Nick when you mentioned Jonas Jurebko is playing a bigger role than the Warriors ever envisioned. Frankly, he really isn't. He's playing a little bit larger one because Draymond's hurt, but he has to play a lot for them because they don't have any depth. You look at their bench. Alfonso McKinney was their eighth guy until he got hurt. And Alfonso no, McKinney couldn't play... For the for the Raptors last year, he played. But they didn't think
0: Yurebko was run. going to be starting.
2: Well, no, I mean, that's what I mean. Draymond being hurt means he's playing a little bit more, but he he was still their seventh guy for the first couple of weeks of the season, and um, that that all goes back to this team has no depth up and down the roster,
0: which is, is why Patrick play McCaw wins. played hardball, and we can you know I don't want to have a Patrick McCaw discussion. Well, but. I,
2: well yeah, listen, Patrick McCaw is his his argument makes no sense because. He he was horrible last year and if he just had signed a contract, he would have been their seventh guy and he would have played this right. year and if he was he, any good at been, all, he would been have been gotten a playing paid. a lot
0: right. He'd have been playing That's a lot right, right now.
2: Yeah. yeah. So they just don't have any depth and now they've got cousins out, they've got Draymond out, they've got Steph out. So look who they're rolling out there. They're playing Quinn Cook. Like Quinn Cook had I think twelve shots yesterday or something. Yeah, right? Like you're points. not a very you're not a very good team if Quinn Cook is getting uh, <laughs> shots. So, <laughs> yeah, right. they have. He's been Clay playing Thompson pretty well, have, though, in Quinn Cooks. No, no, he's fine. He's fine. But, like, again, if you, you can have two superstars out there in Clay and, and KD. But if you have out there around them a bunch of guys that are borderline NBA players, you're the Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, what are they? They're a team that's kind of floating around 500, right? I mean, no, that, Oklahoma that's City what the Warriors is. Warriors
0: are. Oklahoma City has the second best record in the West, I think, or maybe well, third-best. at this best. point
2: that that means they're like what ten and ten and eight. <laughs> it feels like everybody in the West is like the same record. How
0: about how about Bon Temps going to the East and then just completely ignoring the West and, and ignoring there's like seven teams that are like ten and five or better. Um, um but uh, you know, I would say that you know Oklahoma City, by the way, is playing. Awesome defense. Awesome defense. I think they're the number one defensive team in the league over the last, like, eight games or so, or top two. And I think they've won eight of nine or something like that. But anyway, um, yes, I think, you know, I, I saw a stat on the plus minus of Curry over the last three years, which is, like, they're plus 18-20 or something with him in the game. And with him out of the game, I think they're in a minus. So, um I think that's true. I, th- I think it unlocks everything, and you know, I've uh, I've said many many times that I think Draymond is their most important player because he's a guy that, um, you know, he's the linchpin that enables them to play that way. But certainly, you could look at those stats like Bontemps just brought up and that plus minus stat, and you could say that Curry is actually their most important player, and and, and maybe maybe Draymond is their player that allows them to to play their style of basketball, but maybe it's Curry who is the Sort of the rocket fuel that lets them take off, but you know, either way, they you know they've had a couple against here. What they score eighty? St- what were the point totals on this trip, Nick? Like, did they crack a hundred in all three games? I don't even think they did that. Did Not they? in
1: Houston. 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 B is the only game where the the Draymond KD the emotions of of those last few days. I, I think there was a hangover there. Because they just didn't look right that whole game, <laughs> and Draymond comes out afterwards. He's like, "I played horribly," <laughs> so so he knew it. Uh, but in Dallas uh, and in San Antonio, they had chances to win those games, and I believe uh, the, the the offense. Uh, I think they cracked a hundred uh, both times, but they they just they don't look. Uh, like they have any kind of rhythm right now and it all ties back into you brought up the joy factor the craziest part about all this to me is two three weeks ago they're all talking about players coaches how much different this season is the start of this for
0: sure they were they were were, yes that was like what they had rediscovered i was talking about it on sports and like they they've weapon, they've re-weaponized joy, and now it's just mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, everything's fleeting, everything's sensitive. Uh, alright, so let's talk about a tr- troubled team a little bit in the East, a good troubled team in the East, which is a team that, uh, Tim has been around with the Celtics. They had a great win over the Raptors. Was that on Thursday night, Tim? Friday night. Friday night. Great win over the Raptors, a really high-spirited game, um, really needed it they were down and they came back and and made it happen and uh you know Kyrie had been playing great um and then they had a loss to the Jazz on Saturday and Tim you were at the game and tell us what happened afterwards in the locker room I think they only scored 86 points um
2: they 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 scored 86 points uh, the In the fourth quarter, Brad Stevens uh, fed up with his starters, put in Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Gershon Yabasele, and uh, I can't even remember who the fourth guy was. Oh, semi uh, With, and, with, with, was, Ky-
0: it with was, it was it still a game at that point? Was it still a game at that
2: point? It was close enough that the Celtics could have maybe come back. I mean, I was at the game in Phoenix the week before when they were down by Phoenix instead of Utah. Well, that was an outlier, but
0: yes, true. They were
2: down by about the same amount with nine minutes to go and came back and tied the game, went to overtime, and won. So it wasn't – I mean, it was like a a 17-point game with nine minutes to go. So unlikely you come back, but you at least have a chance. Uh, But Brad Stevens puts those guys out there with Kyrie Irving for the vast majority of the fourth quarter. Uh, Then after the game, Brad Stevens, who never says anything, uh, accuses his team of not having any toughness and – uh, says that you know basically you know pins confidence issues on some of his guys, saying that they need to just focus on you know doing the little things instead of worrying about shots going in or not, which was a pretty direct shot at Jalen Brown in particular. And then Kyrie Irving Why? in the
0: locker room. Why? Why uh, was that a shot? Because Jalen.
2: Because while well, Jalen Brown has been horrible for one thing, he's shooting 36% from the field and 27% from three. He he'd missed. He'd gone two for his last 18 over the Raptors game in that game, and he has generally just floated around and looked disengaged because he appears to have his head down because he's missing a million shots uh and then after that Kyrie Irving in the locker room uh you know attacked the Celtics young guys specifically called out Jason Tatum for on the first possession of the game setting the tone by getting Derek Favors in a a one-on-one matchup on the perimeter saying he expected him to drive Tatum instead shot a 28 footer um saying that the young guys on the team were a year younger last year uh, are trying to basically show they're better players this year and trying too hard and pressing too much. Uh, you know, to your point, the night before the Celtics had had this you know great victory over the Raptors. Tatum had played well in, a, in the first time in a while. Kyrie was incredible. Um, Gordon Hayward had played well. It was this very feel good atmosphere in the locker room. And then the next night, there's you know just broadsides being leveled all over the place, and the Celtics <laughs> are uh, as, as much as they do. In kind of a weird spot. Yes, right. as much as the Celtics do, which is never, you know. It's, I think
0: it's, it's interesting, interesting about Tatum and Brown. So I really thought the guy that would have to sacrifice his shots when Hayward came back was going to be uh, Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brown to me, I, you know, my evaluation of him, not that I am, uh, <laughs> you know, pff, a general manager, but my evaluation of him after his rookie year was that. He's going to be a an, an, a borderline elite level defender, you know, who would occasionally have breakout offensive games, but I didn't think was going to be an offensive factor. Uh, something more than a three and D player, but certainly less than a two than a Jimmy Butler type. And then, you know, he was so good last year, uh, off and on, but a lot of on, um, that I was like, well, he had elevated in my mind, that I thought, well, he is going to be the guy who's going to struggle because he's going to take a step back. The interesting thing is as you mentioned his shooting percentages are way down and you know I don't have the Kevin Pelton uh data about his shot quality but he's getting the same amount of shots uh he's playing a little bit less minutes but he's getting the exact same amount of three-pointers and um the same amount of overall shots which is still only like 11 or 12 a game but right you know it's not like it's not like it's gone to 8 a game um he's just sh- making way less of them and then Tatum is actually getting a lot more shots. He's getting three more shots a game and shooting about 5% lower. Uh, Now, if you watch, he is just taking some, in my mind, wild uh, shots, isolation shots, um, and his 3 percent shots, you might say. You might say that. Um, And, like, those are the two guys, like, you know, (laughs) we kind of thought, I mean, you know, I, I'm one of these people that's not a hundred percent in the guaranteed Kyrie is going to be a Celtic next year column for about 10 different reasons. It's not that I don't believe him that he's intending to stay, but I just think that that's a more volatile situation. Like if it was, and I'm certainly not believing that Gordon Hayward, you know, I don't exactly know what his future is, but I would have thought that did no matter what happened, that Tatum and Brown were going to be the, the the cornerstones going forward. And now I'm like, these guys got to play better. You know, they they lived in this sort of expectation-free world last year where they just were overachieving almost from day one um, and that they just blew us all away. But now that we look at them as like, you know, I was thinking Tatum was going to make the all-star team this year and I thought that Jalen Brown was going to be a contender and they are not playing like that right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, they, they have a lot of problems. They have a team full of guys that don't really get to the rim. They have a lot of team, uh, they have a team full of guys that don't really pass the ball other than Gordon Hayward. And he's obviously coming back from his injury. They are having Gordon Hayward come back from his injury, which is a factor. Um, and to your point, they have a lot of guys taking a lot of shots. I think if you look at their team, they have, I want to say they have six or seven guys averaging at least eight or nine shots a game. Let's take a look. Let's,
0: let's let's go right down the list. Kyrie Irving, 17 a game. Uh, let's see how that ranks to years past. To years past, last year he averaged 18 a game. The year before in Cleveland he averaged 20. So it's slightly down. But he's averaging 17. Tatum, as I mentioned, averaging 13 up from 10. Al Horford averaging 10. Jalen Brown averaging 12. Gordon Hayward averaging 9. But let's see what that was down from his Utah days. He averaged 16 his last year in Utah. That's way down. Obviously he's coming back. Uh, Marcus Morris uh, averaging ten, which seems way, like too Morris many to be, me.
2: Marcus Morris is shooting fifty percent from the field, and I think forty-eight percent from three. And the Celtics still have a terrible offense.
0: Right, he's actually he's actually shooting less than last year. Um, he is shooting forty-six percent from three, but um, very good, averaging well, was, more yeah, than yeah, two makes a the the game. Other night. Yeah, averaging two makes a game. It, Ter- and we're Terry Rozier
2: ballpark, right?
0: Averaging just under nine. A game which is also down from last year. He's only shooting. Oh, I did not realize he's only shooting shooting thirty six percent or so. Thirty six. Thirty seven. I'll give him the. I'll bump it up for him. Thirty seven percent.
2: Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of guys that aren't shooting well. And and here's the thing: if you watch a Celtic game, they take a lot of bad shots. They take a lot of mid range shots. They take a lot of a lot of threes. They never. I mean, not that a lot of threes are bad, but. To take some contested threes because a lot of times because they can't get to the rim, they're kind of passing the ball around and then jacking up a shot later in the shot clock and it's not a quality look. And you no, know, that that really is what a lot of this to me comes down to is they're just they're not getting good enough shots. They ranked twenty
0: seventh in the league in uh, free throw attempts.
2: And that's even up. I think they were 29th before the uh they had a big surge at the end of the Raptor game and I think shot like twenty seven or twenty eight in the overtime game and that bumped them up a little bit. But they yeah, they don't get to the line. They don't get to the rim, uh, and and so they they just don't get a lot of efficient shots, and then they have a lot of guys who aren't shooting well, and that adds up to them, not being a very good offense. And I made the Kobe joke before because Jason Tatum this summer went and worked out with Kobe for a while, and you watch him play now, and he's he's not passing the ball, he's not creating shots for other people, and he's taking a lot of inefficient mid-range shots that are not very good looks, and a lot of them
0: so he, he's yet. taking Kobe shots. is what he's taking. He's taking Kobe shots.
2: So I mean, look, I. The Celtics have a lot of talent, but I I look at the mix and I I just don't, I don't really see where the offensive improvement is going to come from. And, you know, for all of the, for all of the expectations that this team had, you know, I know it, I know we're not quite at 20 games yet, but we're still at 16 games with them and they're 24th or 25th in the league in offense. I mean, at some point the numbers are what they are.
0: And well, some of these guys got to shoot better percentages. Some of these guys got to shoot better percentages. Um, Which will help, but Marcus
2: Morris is also probably going to shoot 30% at some point for a month, too. That's true. Uh, Marcus Smart, by the way, his
0: shots have cut in half. What was that, Nick?
2: I know they're having problems, and
1: I know they haven't played to the level that I think we all expected to start the season. But as I watched that game the other night the end of that Raptors game, the thought in my head was, here is the Eastern Conference Finals, and if it's my money and I'm putting it down on any team in the East right now, I'm still putting it down on Boston because I believe Brad Stevens will figure it out. I believe the players that we've just rattled off, especially the younger guys who haven't shot very well yet, uh, will come together. If Kyrie stays healthy, and we all know that's a big if, given the last few years, but if he does, he will help guide them offensively during those postseason stretches and during those big games. So uh, I know there are a lot of people that are are wavering on the Celtics' viability long-term this season, I'm not. I think they're still the team to beat. I like Toronto a lot, especially if Kawhi can stay on the floor and play the way he's been playing. But to me, it's Boston, Toronto, and then there's a gap between everybody else like the Phillies or the Milwaukee's.
2: I'm so that's a Raptors fair point. Because Kawhi... I was going to say, I'm taking the Raptors because Kawhi was so far and away the best player on the court the other night, it wasn't even funny. And and in a in a seven-game series where he can play big minutes, like, if he's that level of player, the the, the Celtics, for all the talent they have, they don't have a guy close to him. And they couldn't stop him the other night. I mean, he was just unbelievable. That was all I was going to so say. So I,
0: I will point out, I I, I think both of you guys made good points there. Um, I... Yeah, as you guys know, I've been infatuated with the Raptors and uh that game the other night Danny Green fouled out. How much time was left in that game? Three he fouled 48 out
2: 48 or so. That was he a got huge two fouls moment. 35 seconds by Tom yeah. Washington. Both terrible calls.
0: Well, I whatever, the calls are the calls, but losing Danny Green was huge on the stretch. If they keep Danny Green, I think they win. And then also Siakam fouled out in overtime. Everybody knows Siakam's like my favorite player in the league. Um I will point this out about the Celtics. They've played a lot of tough games. Um they've had a very challenging schedule. I don't have the strength to schedule um uh stuff in front of me. Um uh, so, They also had a long uh, West Coast trip. Yeah, you know, they've already played I think five or six West West uh, road games. So um and there and their their schedule coming up, uh, which I'm gonna we're gonna talk about tonight's game when they're playing Charlotte here in just a second. Um but their schedule coming up at Charlotte, you know, not a gimme. Knicks, Hawks, at Mavericks, at Pelicans. Again, that's you know, Western Road games, not easy, but Cavs, Timberwolves, Knicks again, Nick Friedell's Bulls. Um, they have some games coming up that, you know you know, this week, for example, Monday, Charlotte, Wednesday Knicks. We've lost five in a row, I believe. Friday, uh, Hawks, um, you know. It's a chance to fatten that, up. Th- that's, a, that's a get healthy week a little bit for them. So the right. schedule, you know, puts – yes, Andrew.
3: Uh, as of the recording, uh, Boston is 10th in strength of schedule so far.
0: So what do I know? Just
2: that's still pretty good. And I will say Gordon Hayward, the last couple games, looked much better to me moving around the court. And he looked much better than he did even a week ago. And I think if you are being an optimist on the Celtics, you would say that two, three, four months from now, he's going to look that much better. And that is, he is the one guy in particular that obviously, if he gets back anywhere near where he was before, that's a huge swing piece for them.
0: All right. So tonight they're playing the Charlotte Hornets. And um, for the first time in two years of this podcast, we're going to talk about the Hornets. I'm only slightly exaggerating.
2: (laughs) Um.
0: But specifically, I want to talk about Kemba Walker. Uh, Kemba is having a tremendous season. I will give you some of his stats. Um, he is averaging 29 points a game, which is far and away a career high. Um, he is shooting 46% overall from the field. Again, career high. And we're talking 15 games, but it's not nothing. He's also taking 21 shots a game, which is far and away a career high. Um, shooting 38% from three-point range, which is very solid. Um, uh, has been awesome from the free-throw line. And I think, you know, most importantly, he's been getting to the free-throw line. a uh, Career high uh, six times a game. He's had a few games where it's even been well above that. Um, averaging 6.1 assists per game, which ties a career high. Um, the, other, see the other night, he had a 60-point game in an overtime loss. Um, to the Sixers. Uh, a tremendous start to the season. Uh, the Hornets are, well, I think they're seven and eight. Um, have had some disappointing losses. Lost uh, in Cleveland, uh, lopsidedly last week. The guys, this guy is a confounding player. Um, Bontemps, you love him as a player. Um, you said something to me earlier that I think is, Interesting, so I'll let you say it again here for all the people. Go ahead.
2: I think for the past two years, he's been a better player than Kyrie Irving. Come on now. Come
1: on, Timmy. Who cares about the numbers? Who are you trusting when the game is on the line, when a big game is on the line? Kemba Walker hasn't played in a big game in two
0: years. Are you out of your mind? I don't think he's he's only played a couple playoff games.
1: Yeah, come on! I love you, but damn, Kemba Walker is not a better player than Kyrie Irving. Oh no! If Kemba Walker, no. I mean Kemba
2: Walker has played on the Hornets, how has he had a chance? To <laughs> exactly, play you're proving your point. He's playing, <laughs> no, but, no. But again, if, if Kyrie Irving was on the Hornets, where would they be? Oh my god! I mean I don't why I don't understand what the laughing because is. Because the Hornets have been a an
1: a irrelevant team where Kemba okay, Walker can do that whatever he the wants. Fact that right, that but he can do whatever he wants. He's, he's not a team beholden no to players. some system. <laughs> Come on. All that,
2: okay. I mean listen, you can you can laugh, but again you're you're not looking at you just look at the look at the data. At the end of the, the day, it, it's it's not up to – Kemba Walker isn't the one deciding who's on his team, okay? so Understood, I, yes, but, obviously but Kemba Irving Walker on a bad successful. team
1: can do whatever he wants.
2: All, all Why I'm the numbers is, are inflated. Okay, listen. I think if you look at Kemba and the production he has put up and the ability he has to shoot off the dribble from 30 to 35 feet now, almost like to the same range as like staff at this point – um, I think he's been an unbelievable player there, playing on a team that, yes, he hasn't been able to play in huge games because his team stinks and has been has been completely mismanaged. That's not to me. That's not Kemba Walker's fault. Now you can okay, you can but say, if he had better players around
1: him, those numbers that that you're saying are there they wouldn't be close to what they what are there. I mean if you so you're you're saying okay, we'll put Kyrie on the Hornets. Put a
2: healthy Kyrie on the Hornets and he'd have insane numbers. I, insane numbers. Sh- I sure I okay, I'm not saying that I think Kemba's better just because he's had better numbers. I, I think I, I don't and I also don't think he's way better like miles better than Kyrie. I just think if you look over the last couple of years watching him a lot, I think he's been unbelievable. And I think if he was on a team with real talent they would have a chance to be damn good. And for example, if the Lakers could somehow get Kemba Walker to play with LeBron James and be the Kyrie, what Kyrie Irving was in Cleveland, I think the Lakers should do anything they can to make that happen because I think he'd be a perfect fit. As an example, well, if if you had to, let me let me just, let me just let me just toss player, this Would
1: you take Kyrie or Kemba Walker?
2: To start I would rather team? have Ky- I would rather have Kemba Walker than Kyrie. But I oh. but I also think but I also think you can make an art like I understand the argument for Kyrie. I don't think this is like. I'm not saying this is like one guy stinks and one guy's good. I just personally think Kemba's a little better. So, Wait, let, me, so let me just, just add just just this in. Just to be in. clear,
3: Bontemps is saying that Kyrie stinks and Kemba's good.
2: <laughs> That's right, Han. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> um, Verbatim. Let,
0: let me just toss this in there because I think this is relevant. I don't know how relevant. These are the games played the last three years for Kemba Walker. 81-79-80. And then this year he's obviously played in all 15 games. Um, it's definitely, it's you know, definitely
2: part of my argument. He's been much you know, they
0: You know, they say the best of ability is availability or whatever. Last three years for Kyrie, 53-72-60. And he's played in all – he's missed one game this year, I think. Um, uh, I mean, th- th- there's some value in that. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know how much it is, but I think it's, I think it's relevant, and that Kemba's been healthier. To me, the real issue with Kemba is he's going to be a free agent, just like uh, Kyrie will be. He's going to be a free agent this summer. The the he's the heart, and so he's the only thing they really got. He's the only reason you would come to a game in Charlotte is to watch Kemba Walker play.
1: And most uh, people still don't.
0: That's true, and they still lose. He's been a lot, the only reason to watch frankly. a
2: Hornets game since the team returned 15 years ago. What about the occasional Michael mm-hmm. sighting?
0: How dare you uh, <laughs> disparage? Uh, what what did they call? Um, uh, God, I'm, I'm the brain fart now. Who was the guy who crashed into the? God, guys, I am, I am. You're not. You're not really I'm, giving I'm, us
2: much to work with there, buddy. <laughs>
0: he made the All Star team. They trade the 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 Nets traded him for Damian Lillard. Um, Gerald Wallace. Gerald Wallace. I, was, I knew Gerald. I should have said Gerald. What what was his nickname? He always used to go flying into the crowd.
2: Crash. Oh, they called him Crash, yeah.
0: Crash, right. All right, Jesus. I just proved against my point if I couldn't remember his name. Um, <laughs> why do you see? Why you watch the game? Um, so <laughs> welcome to Kemba's, Charlotte is, Basketball. <laughs> I know. No, I just think it's welcome to too many things in my head. Um, so Kemba is a free agent. He is making... Uh, let me look up his salary this year. Uh, he is not on a, He is not a max player, and even worse, he's a uh, less than a max player who signed in 2015. His salary this year is 12 million dollars. He signed a contract, an extension, a four-year, 48 million dollar extension.
2: Who's stuff like? Uh,
0: actually, I think I think he's got an same same
2: deal actually. as Lowry. I believe I believe it's exactly the same deal. No, it's just a straight four. This is a, this would be the fourth year. I think
0: no raises in the deal. They signed a flat deal. 12, 12, 12, 12. So he hasn't even gotten a raise, <laughs> a contracted raise in four years. So he's underpaid. He's dollar for dollar one of the best players in the league, probably top five in dollar for dollar. Um, there's a chance he might qualify for the Supermax,
2: right? If they make well, the a so can the, make an all-NBA team, right?
0: So, you know, a lot of things are, you know, there's a lot of factors that come into that, injuries and whatnot. I would not think that, he would be able to make the All NBA team, but if there was an All NBA team, fifteen games in, he would probably be one of the guys on the one of the six guards. I don't know if he will be at the end. He certainly right now could see the could see that, but yeah, I just I think mean, it's if about a 100- hundred
2: playoffs at least. He'll have a shot, you know, which it looks like in the East with the way some of these teams are playing early on, you'll have a shot at least.
0: Yeah, um, so right now his max is. Um, five years, a hundred and about 190, 195 million Um, is, you know, there's going to be immense pressure from the Hornets to pay that. Uh, The Hornets have a team that I'm going to tell you right now is one of the biggest money losers in the league. They, they are dependent. They've received more financial aid from their um, counterparts, their other 29 teams than any team in the league in the last five, six years. Um, they have Nick Batum, and this is one of the things why, you know, if you're Michael Jordan, you're a little bit nervous, Pay giving out a max contract. to get got Nick Batum on a max contract. One of the most questionable maxes given out in NBA history. Um, oh, man, c- how can disastrous you give has Kem- that been? <laughs> Can you give Kemba Walker a guy who is the heart and soul of your franchise but has not proven – to be a difference making player in terms of wins and losses i mean with all he's won them many games but he's not carried them into the playoffs he's played i think in um three playoff, playoff series, series in his right career. i think it's i think it's two playoffs there's 11 playoff games i think he's got.
2: Oh, okay so yeah this I, I was only remembering the seven game series against the heat in 16 before they then paid nick batum all the money to watch an overtime game against the sixers the other night
0: for right the bench. they he made the playoffs in 13 14 they got swept by the heat i believe
2: ah that's um, right um
0: so he's played 11 playoff games I, I mean i don't want i mean i don't want to say anything bad about him but he's not a guy who can carry you to the playoffs do you give kemba walker 200 million dollars
1: well i think you could mr I bontemps mean, i want to hear this one
0: mr bontemps no, i think well, listen, the answer would be yes
2: well listen i would say <laughs> it depends it depends on what your where your team is right like does it Does it make sense for the Charlotte Hornets to pay Kemba Walker until he's thirty three uh, for a team that clearly is going nowhere? No, that's why I wrote in January they should have traded him last year uh, and really got a big return for him but again, if I'm the Lakers looking for a guy to pair with LeBron or I'm one of these teams going into the summer looking for a star player uh, he will turn twenty nine
0: he will turn twenty nine in May
2: yeah, I mean look, if it's me uh well, let me ask you this, Nick. Who would you bet on better? Uh, who would you be more willing to bet on a four-year deal coming up? Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker?
1: Ooh, hoo,
2: hoo, hoo. but it's not a four-year would, deal. It's I a would, five-year deal. No, no, no. I'm saying if you're another team going to sign, I don't think the Hornets should sign him. I think they should trade him. They're the, the Hornets are going nowhere. They should have traded. I don't think there's year. any
0: way they're going to trade him. I don't they think, think they ever. are either. Yeah,
2: but I, I'm just there's saying if you're another team, if you're another team that has the option to say we could sign Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker, say you're the I don't know. Whatever the the Nets, right? Who want a star player? Who who would you be better? Who do you think you're oh, better off? Who, Kendall which, Walker, which deals would be is a better amazing deal? Amazing
0: in Brooklyn. Oh
2: my <laughs> God! Be they would go
0: crazy. <laughs> they would go crazy. Well, the Brooklyn fans that there are would go crazy right. if Kendall Walker <laughs> came to New York. Uh, or
2: Kendall Walker say, with the like Knicks. Charlotte time was going to gonna give say.
1: an answer. Just sit I, right there. I if it's me, Timmy, I'm still taking Jimmy because Jimmy's one of the very best two way players in the league. But to your point and to B's point regarding injuries, that is what is terrifying if I'm one of these teams that has money and that has space and can offer one of these uh, extensions to either one of these guys. I mean, that to me, I'm not as high on Kemba Walker, not close as, as to what you are, but the fact that he's out there. That is huge, and my biggest concern for Jimmy, as somebody who's followed him since he he came into the league, is Jimmy can play at an unbelievably high level when he's healthy, but he misses a month every year, and after all the wear and tear on those knees, uh, from all those minutes under Tibbs, how are those knees going to hold up over the next four or five years? I mean, we're going to see, but Jimmy misses a month every season with a variety of different injuries. It's happened... Uh, the last few years, when he's there, he can really help. When he's not, uh, he's he's not good for the team. Uh, so I would still take Jimmy because I I'm a, I believe much more strongly that Jimmy is a, uh, a much more complete player who gets you closer. Uh, but Kemba Walker, uh, being on the floor is something that, that you, you can't take away from him, although I think on a much better team with much better players – He's not putting up close to the production that we've seen him put up I in would say the last couple of years.
0: There are general managers in this league, and they would never say this with their name attached to it, but they've said it to me without their name attached to it. Is that it's really hard to get difference-making play in the play in a playoff setting from a guy who's six foot. Obviously, there are some outliers there. Um, but that that's one of the things that Chris Paul has struggled with at times in his career. Yep. Um, and you know, you, you know, and people forget Steph Curry actually has, you know, Steph Curry is significantly bigger than Kevin Walker. Um, and Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. And he's perfected an ability to get a shot off over height. Um, the way he shoots, the way he shoots on the way up. Um, you know, but I don't even think it comes down to player evaluation as much as it does. Can Charlotte tell whatever fans that it is getting? I mean what message would it send to them if they do not pay it? because one of the things this, and this this sort of this happened with Al Horford, so it's happened with other players too, but Al Al Horford comes to the front of mind. Al Horford wanted a five year max from the Atlanta Hawks the Layla Hawks were not willing to give him a five-year max. they were willing to give him a five-year contract and they were willing to give him more money than anybody else, but they would not give him a five-year max. And so he went, he had a handful of four-year max offers. Um, could have gone to Oklahoma city, could have gone to Phila- uh not was it Philadelphia, um, but certainly Washington. Um, and then obviously went to Boston. Um, and, it was for less guaranteed money but it was he was sort of insulted that the organization didn't didn't give a five year max when he had been you know the heart and soul of that team for a long time an all star etc and so in a situation like Kemba Walker like there are teams out there who are in the free agent market who will offer him a four year max I have little doubt that he will get offered a four year max especially for a team that ends up uh, with a chair you know, with, you know when the music stops ends up without a chair you know when when um, Durant and Kawhi and you know Jimmy and some other guys come off the board and Clay comes off the board, you know maybe it's the Lakers, you know maybe it's the 76ers, uh, depending what happens with Jimmy. Um, but there's a team that I think he's going to get a four-year offer, but will it come down to whether or not you know he wants that five-year max, and whether or not they can commit to giving him you know almost 50 million dollars when he's 33, 34. And for an organization like like Charlotte, you make a you make a mistake on that, you can sink the entire franchise. So it's a really big, difficult decision. And I know it's not at the front of people's minds because even in the in the scheme of this summer, Kemba's you know not even really a top five free agent. Um, but he could really end up being an important player in an important swing. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Not only that, Kemba has spent the last year giving valentines to the Charlotte market. Ryan, um,
3: yes, his talk about Charlotte's conundrum on whether to pay Kemba, uh the Supermax or whatever five year Max contracts sort of makes me wonder about another point guard not too far up the road. I don't is Washington far up the road from Charlotte or not? I have no idea it's Um, not far
2: it's it's not far (laughs) but there's there's a
0: situation up there
3: that's that's pretty bad too
0: so (laughs) let's let me just tell you what just happened there this is the producer coming in and saying my god um we have to get people through this podcast and there's this adrian wojenarski story about the wizards and you're going on and on about kemba walker what the producer should just say is brian Enough about Kemba Walker. How about we talk about the Wizards? Because when people want to listen to this podcast later, this is going to be the story they want to talk to. So you should just say that, Andrew. Don't be nice. Just, just come in with the hammer. <laughs> um, Adrian, Adrian Wojnarowski has a story out that basically says that um, the Wizards are making everybody on their roster available.
1: Um,
2: Finally! Finally! <laughs> what has taken them so long to get to this point? Well, the Go wizards do, don't ever do anything quick. I'll just say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Um, so, Nick, what's your uh, other than that initial reaction? What's your what are your, what's your think, thoughts on that?
1: I, I, this should have happened a couple years ago. <laughs> I mean, B, we were talking about this before the season. The I was, going Wizards. To say,
2: Fidel was lighting things up on the pod before the year began.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Wizards, they're not good enough. They haven't been good enough. I mean, you can make everybody available, but the guy the guy you need to be willing to move is Brad Beal. I and mean, that's it. You're not moving John Wall's deal. I mean, Otto Porter, is he going to get you that much? Are you ready to move Brad Beal? That's what it, it boils down to uh, for me from a distance. But this Wizards group, I mean, my God. Yeah, they're not good. They haven't been good enough in in several years. You've attached yourself to this albatross contract. Uh, you you, you got to make some moves and, and hit the button. It, it, if I'm a, a Wizards fan, and hey, granted there are not a lot of those out there, it seems either. Uh, if you're if you're a Wizards fan, this should have happened years ago. I mean, this core was not
0: well. Good remember enough. They had a couple of playoff runs where they were borderline. I could see why they Where they
1: all wore to- black and everybody got hyped up. <laughs> big deal.
0: <laughs> big deal. Um, they're 5 and 11 Shocker. and n- not really improving. I mean, they've had some blips. Um, the big cha- the challenge with, well, Tim, you know what the challenge is with trading John Wall.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, in my pre- previous job, I paid a lot of attention to the Wizards, obviously, and this is uh, this is something people have talked about for a while. Now, I, I will push back on Nick a little bit. Um, I think John, I think you can move John's contract. I think you can trade him. I think the the talk that he is untradeable, I, I just don't really buy. I actually what are you getting think- back,
1: Timmy? What are you getting back? Well,
2: here's the th- well. This is what I was going to say. I-, I don't know if you're going to get a lot back for him, but. I think the comparable for this is when Danny Ferry took over the Hawks back in 2012. What was the first thing he did? He went to the Nets and he traded Joe Johnson for essentially a pick swap and a bag of balls, right? It was a bunch of expiring
0: contracts, a first round pick, and a pick swap, right?
2: Right. I don't even, I don't know if they got, I think they they got a swap. I don't remember if they got a first. Um, But they, they definitely got a bag of balls and a swap. Because uh, all the expiring guys were not good, and it was just to just to balance out the money. It was Chris Humphrey, and Bontemps, Sean Stevenson, John and a couple Wall
3: other people. is less tradable than Blake Griffin was when he was with the Clippers.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's less tradable, but I mean, again, the thing Han is you're talking about four years and 170 million dollars after this.
0: So well, let me give you I mean, the uh, I mean, that's let me an, give an even you the bigger numbers. that's an
2: even bigger number than what uh, than what Blake was on. This Blake year, John so, the Same money.
0: That's a great point, though, Andrew. If you can, I mean, first off, the compare the comparison to Joe Johnson is good because Joe Johnson was in a contract that a lot of people thought was going to be difficult to trade, and they basically traded it for cap for space. cap space. Yeah,
2: uh,
0: and Blake was sort of, kind of came out of nowhere, and I think actually was looking like a pretty good trade. So here's, you know what that trade was. You ready for this? So it was, it was Jojo. It was done in the summer. So, and it was. It's important to recognize this was done in the summer because you could make a 5 June for twenty. One.
2: It was about June twenty eighth because they needed to get. They wanted to have him locked in for Darren Williams to convince Darren Williams to stay. That's part of the right. But they the grand they did they
0: deal the deal actually. But they did the deal in July. Right. So, but the point. The reason this is relevant is because in the summer you can have up to twenty guys on your roster. You don't have. To, you can do a five for one trade and you can pull that off. So here was what Joe Johnson was sent for Jordan Farmar, Johan Petro, Anthony Morrow, Jordan Williams, Deshaun Stevenson. In a sign and trade. Boy, he got some free money. Deshaun Stevenson got some free money there. A future first round pick, lottery protected, and a pick swap.
1: Championship.
0: Um, I'm reading this story, by the way. <laughs> You'll love this next sentence, Tim because uh, Tim used to cover the Nets for the New York Post. Um, the Nets managed to keep promising guard Marshawn Brooks out of the trade. <laughs> yep. Um, well, he yep. was considered promising guard. <laughs> Marshawn Brooks guard.
2: taking five spots ahead of Jimmy Butler. Would have, would have um, been pretty good for the Nets right so, now.
0: And the key thing to think about John Wall, he makes $19 million this year. So keep that in mind for trade purposes. Um, next year he makes $38, 38 41 $44, dollars stuff. Uh, four years, it's like a
1: Powerball annuity. <laughs> Give me Boyd Griffin every day over that uh, contract. And so now, cha- I, I do,
2: I do think it's movable, but it, it it would be a challenge. But like I, th- but, I could think you could see a team like Miami maybe making a trade for him. I could see a team like Phoenix maybe making a trade for him. Um, there there'd be a team in a similar position to Detroit thinking, hey, if we get a we can get a star, and we have them locked in. And he's, he's, not, he's going to be here, and he needs to change his scenery. Like, I could see somebody talking themselves into it. Um, okay, so and, and a couple of it.
0: things. So, number one, the difference between Joe Johnson there is that the, the, the overall salary number, is, you don't, it's not that it's relatively manageable, so you don't have to get a lot. But here's what Zach Lowe has pointed out, which is that he's got a 15% trade kicker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of money. <laughs> um, I believe 15% of $170, of $170 million and actually be $190 million would be, what, $30 million trade kicker?
1: Who, hey, who is John's agent? Kicker? That's a lot. That's who a is John's ball. agent, B? Rich, Rich Paul. Paul. Shout out to Rich
0: Paul. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Now, I have to point out that uh, oh, trade <laughs> trade kickers are waivable or amendable. He could amend it down to 5%. But, oh, man.
2: What a that bargain. kind of gives
0: that kind of gives him some control
2: over where he goes,
0: of where he he would get traded. So it's a long way of saying that I think it's going to be difficult. By the way, I don't, uh, Andrew, I don't think Blake had a trade kicker.
3: Is that uh, right? That seems I don't think he correct, did. but
0: I will look. I, I would have, we would have heard about that because that would have been huge.
2: I and he would have probably. Say- all I was going to say was, to go back to Nick's point before, talking to people around the league, um, Bradley is a guy people around the league have been looking at for a while, waiting to see if yeah. the Wizards will really blow things up, because Bradley is right. a guy on a great contract that people would, I think, be willing to throw in their lot to get. And frankly, even though okay. Philly just, I know I'm in Philly, Philly, he would have, I think, been a much better fit for Philly than, uh, than the guy that he's traded for would be long-term.
0: Thank you. Very good point, Bontemps. Uh, Nick, do you have to go catch your flight?
1: Uh, I have a couple more minutes, but right. uh, it's getting well, close.
0: Okay. Um, well, let me just say this. So, I think what, 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 what that's a long way of saying is I think John Wall's a hard player to trade. Bradley Beal, now, Bradley Beal makes $25 million. Um, I wonder if they had made this decision, as Nick indicated a while ago, especially last summer. The players that have been traded that Bradley Beal could have been traded for, including Kawhi Leonard, I I gotta believe that the that the Spurs would have would have taken Bradley Beal over DeMar DeRozan. I don't know, maybe don't, I'm wrong.
2: I don't th- I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, they but they didn't get offered him. Now, that granted, would be the second time
3: that Bradley Beal would have he could have been traded for another star, and the Wizards didn't do it because didn't OKC offer Harden for Bradley
0: Beal way back? Well, in the that's day? what they want the. the OKC, yeah, OKC wanted Beal. Third.
2: Yeah, OKC either asked for the third pick or Beal uh, before right. Beal's rookie year. And then the Wizards said no.
0: Um, but, you know, there's an opportunity cost having done it now. Like, boy, I mean, Nick, I mean, who would – what's even the trade? What's even the, the Bradley Beal trade right now?
1: Oof.
2: I don't know, but and I feel I, like if I was the Lakers, I would open up the I would open up the store for Bradley Beal. Me, personally.
0: me too, me too. I would
2: too, rather haven't been any of the Lakers young guys by a lot.
0: Me too,
1: guys. This 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 last like two month stretch in the league is a case study in GMs waiting too long to trade assets that they should have unloaded <laughs> months before or a year ago. I mean, between the Wizards' news and Jimmy finally getting moved a week ago, sell early, don't so wait. Same thing
2: with Kemba, right? I mean, like look, your yeah, boys, exactly. The traded, if the Hornets had traded Kemba last year at the deadline, imagine what they could have got for him with a year and a half to go. Could have got a ton. Imagine right.
0: look and look at your boys, the Bulls. They sold early on Jimmy.
1: Gar packs, baby, ahead of their time.
0: Gar packed, ahead of their time. Um, you remember way back when, like when Utah did the Darren Williams deal, they yep. moved early on Darren Williams too. Um, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for it. I I don't know, Tim, what do you think of, I mean, you could we mentioned the Lakers, what other landing spots for Bradley Beal could we see out there?
2: I mean, I always thought Philly was the most logical one and the one I would have thrown in my lot for if I was them. I would have offered up the farm. Obviously now, you know, I think that's tougher unless the Sixers are, unless Washington's interested in uh, Mark Faults, which they probably are not at that level. Uh, I think the Lakers would be an incredible fit. Um, I would, like I just said, I'd give up all the young guys uh, for him. I think that would be a great landing spot. Uh, You know, obviously a team like New Orleans who wants to keep Anthony Davis, you know, you would look at them and say, hey, he would make sense there, but they don't have the pieces. Not right now. I mean, the the Lakers are the one that stand out to me that really, like they have the assets and the need that you say, hey, like we lock in with Bradley Beal with this team. Also, I would think if you have Bradley Beal there with with LeBron, it makes it even more likely you can convince somebody to come there this summer too.
0: Um, Well, it it mucks up their cap space, but –
2: a little bit, but if you're, if say you trade Ingram and Lonzo for him, you're already shaving off a bunch of that money anyway. Right? So, you, you know, you to. Would they have a third spot?
1: Would, would they have a third spot? Let's say they find some way to, to what you guys are saying. The Lakers find some way to land Beal. Do they have? Could they make the moves to to carve out a third, either max spot or close to a max spot?
0: Well, they have their first round pick, which is important in terms of. If they would have to get rid of a contract that they don't want, that sort of opens some things up. Um,
2: They'd have to do some, they'd have to do some, uh, gymnastics. I think it's safe to
0: say. So, so, for the sake of argument, let's say they traded, I don't know if they're giving Ingram and Ball. I think I'd want Ingram and Kuzma.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't think they're, I don't, they're not, I don't think they're getting Bradley Beal without giving up the farm.
0: Okay. All right. For the sake of this argument, we'll say they give up. We'll say they give up Ingram and Ball. Okay, that would be a net gain. So Ingram and Ball next year are slated to make 15 million combined, and Bradley. By the way, the Wizards are uh, are a taxpayer, which is not good. I mean, if if, I'm going to say one thing for sure. Wizards are getting under the tax. <laughs> I well, don't know if they're going to trade belly bill. Jones
2: said he thought they were going to win 50 games and make the conference finals. That was his expectation. And Ted never did <laughs> stuff like that before. So that only but, No, but listen, you see a story like this, I think that that's very clear where this is coming from, right? Like Ted has spent money the last 2 years. He paid the tax last year. He's paying the tax again. Like the, I think that's a lot of where this comes from. Like, hey, let's let's go. And they also just won he also just won the cup with the hockey team. So perhaps he's, you know,
0: become a bit more aggressive than he was in the past so to so if they so their net difference so ball and ingram next year make uh about 16 million and uh uh so if you offloaded them in the deal uh bradley Beal makes 27 million so they would have about 29 million in cap space if they made that trade um so they would have to to get to the what i think the the max is going to be about thirty-eight million for a, for a ten-year max player. Um, you know, if you want, you'd have, have
2: to do some gymnastics for sure.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you um, what,
2: I Bradley Beal, Bradley Beale with LeBron would be pretty incredible, though.
0: Boy, Bradley Beal. <sighs> he would have been so, so good no with other Philly.
3: obvious suitors. Bradley Beal, there's no one that's quite as
2: easy as Elliot. All right, Nick, go catch odd. your plane.
0: Thank you very much, Nick. And all right, um, guys, we'll, we'll, so all right, all buddy, right.
2: see you in a couple weeks.
0: Let's workshop this. All right, so it's it's not the Lakers. Who else is calling the Wizards after seeing Woj's story? Because that's how Woj works. Woj's story comes out.
2: Uh, Portland. What's I mean? I I just don't see the fit there, really. What are they going to do? Offer back C.J. McCollum? Like I pretty much the, the,
3: that's what, it would yeah, be I just mean, I a, don't change the scenery for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, New Orleans would be, New Orleans is a team for all these things that you go, Hey, they need a guy, but it's hard to see what they, the piece they add. Well, this Milwaukee, is the thing. New Orleans made an offer, piece, but they don't really have a guy.
0: Well, New Orleans made an offer for Jimmy Butler and it was essentially, um, it was, you know, New, um, Minnesota asked for Drew Holiday, but it was essentially Miritich, and something else, Miritich and Etwan Moore, Miritich and Solomon Hill. I don't see that getting it done. No. Even if you included a first-round pick. No. Um, no. So, all right. Like there, I mean, there's certain places I think would be interesting. Like, for example, think about Memphis. But how does Memphis get it done?
3: Well, more than Memphis. Think about if Milwaukee could get it done.
2: Milwaukee is the one that would make a, would be great, but again, they just don't really have the assets. Right. Well, they can't trade their two main guys. Well, and you want to add him to the you want to add him to that. Right? It's not. I mean, have him be. M-
0: Middleton is a free agent to be. That would be a rental. You you know, I don't see why that would even. The trade would have to be would have to include Eric Bledsoe.
2: Not, uh, but, there's no Milwaukee. Milwaukee doesn't have a trade that makes sense unless they're just offering up like multiple future unprotected first round picks, and even that, I don't know if that really makes a ton of sense. Um, not to no, help. Philly, Philly was the obvious now. fit. I mean, Boston would be a pretty great.
0: Boston, what's the trade? Jalen Brown.
2: Well, I mean, the Celtics have a million picks. They have Jalen Brown. They have lots of stuff, but. I think they're saving their powder for a potential Anthony Davis trade, so I don't think they're going all in on a Beal trade.
0: Um, right. Well, you could trade Beal for Anthony Davis. Um, better you could. You know, I mean, you you'd have to include Marcus Smart. I think in the deal just to make the money work. But Mark, what about Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and one I of their I just picks?
2: Don't. Yeah, it's that's that's a that's a decent
3: deal. I mean that that's very. This is very amusing because Bontemps, wasn't your podcast debut towards the end where we got bogged down by Bradley Beal trades? And I
2: believe we, so. That is exactly what happened. Here we are again. <laughs> are we That's exactly down? We, that about, about, well, we, we talked about Bradley Beal to the Lakers. That was, what, was, that was exactly what we talked about. Bradley
3: Beal <laughs> trades at that time with no public uh, indication that he would be traded. And the morning that Bontemps is on again, there happens to be a report now that Washington is willing to move Bradley Beal. Uh, this, this is just, just
2: going to become our gimmick now, Han. This,
0: what about uh, uh, is there any is there any market for Otto Porter?
2: I think there's a market for him, uh, but it, but again, it's one of those things where you know, I like could could you trade it like he would make a ton of sense for a team like New Orleans, so or a team like Milwaukee. Like, do you take on? See, so do you take Hanson and Della Vidova and? You know, a first and maybe a swap or something uh, oh, right. with Milwaukee, something like that's, that.
0: I mean, that's it's not a good, it's not a great trade. Well, I would want Thon Maker just because. Sure, you're hoping for like a prospect, but
2: um, you know, but they, they maybe they take know, that's on a some, salary. Maybe they dump. take some bad money, right? Maybe they take some bad money. You know, maybe you could probably do the same thing with John again, like you said with the Joe Johnson trade. You you take on some dead money. You take on, you maybe you get a pick and a swap, and you take on some bad money from somebody.
0: So, I mean, I think the real thing comes down to, <laughs> is Washington willing to salary dump a guy like Otto Porter?
2: Yeah, I maybe mean, the answer that's is yes. a great question. That's maybe the, great the answer question. is yes. I, mean, we, I don't know. We, this is uncharted territory for the Wizards, I mean, in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, Ted Leonsis has had the same front office for a long time. He did the same thing with his hockey team. He doesn't make changes. He doesn't blow things up. The, the Caps just won a cup with Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom to go way in-depth here. Two longtime stars that he never traded, just like Beal and Wall. Uh, but, you know, if they really do decide to blow it up, you know, I, I think if, they, if they're if they going to do that, they're going to have to take on some bad salary um, because, especially for Porter and, uh, and Wall, they're just I don't think there are a ton of trade options for them.
0: Well, Ubre also has some value. The problem is Ubre is on his rookie deal, doesn't make a lot of money. You're not going to get much for him, and the team that'll be trading for him would have to be agreeing to pay him. And you know, I think Ubre is a, I don't know, but Ubre is a guy who could possibly He's fine. be traded.
3: Uh, He's fine. Just to just to button up this this topic from before, Blake Griffin, in fact, did have a 15% trade kicker. His five year deal is worth 172
2: now. And the and the team that the team that trades the player pays the kicker, right?
0: I and guess maybe Ballmer just maybe ch- Ballmer just wrote the check and never looked back.
3: That would, that's a change in the newest CBA. I think the trading team pays that kicker,
2: which is why the Wizards are the team that gives the, the player the up, team. right? Yes, right, 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 Andrew. Yeah, yes, right.
0: And right. Maybe maybe Balmer like, I just I, I want him out of my I want him off my cap sheet. Here's the money. Spends yeah, maybe less, Ted maybe uh, Ted uh, just decides talk- to bite the bullet. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's happening. When has that ever happened?
2: Well, I mean, like I said he paid the tax. Nobody people never thought he'd pay the tax. He paid the tax last year and he's paying it again. At least for now.
3: Well, however, uh however this this trade machination turns out, clearly we have to wait until December 15th when a lot of these one-year right. contracts yes. or recently signed guys
0: come. Yeah, basically. this isn't something that would happen fast anyway. They're they're trying to draw out the market. Um, all right. True. Well, more to come. If you're t- out there traveling right now on Thanksgiving, thank you for listening. I hope you get to your destination safely and enjoy your holiday. Thank you, Tim Bontemps. We'll say thank you to Nick Friedel, who's on his way to San Antonio Airport. And we'll say thank you to Andrew Hahn and to Kyrie. And have a good day, everybody. <music>